always look on the bright side of life. Always look on the light. Welcome side to of life. Aaron and Rohit's Hopeless Show. Yeah, I'm Aaron. Like, this is and, Rohit. And I'm we Rohit. We talk over each other. <laughs> yes, we do. Dude, what a wonderful way to start. Is this episode eight? This or is nine? episode nine. Wow, Aaron, we're starting to make so many. I, I can't even keep track of them anymore. I can't. As the Beatles said, though, number nine, number nine, number nine. It's a deep Beatles track. So no. we are at number nine. We are at number nine. And to, to actually draw further Beatles comparisons to Aaron and Rohit, um, you know, we're actually bringing on, you know, some big stars onto the show, uh, some big yeah. guests. So stay tuned. Uh, later in the show, we're going to be interviewing Christopher Harris of the Harris Football Podcast. The biggest football fantasy podcast in the world, probably in the galaxy, like aliens listen to it. Uh, I, I'd venture to say there is no bigger fantasy football podcast this side of the solar system possibly the side of our galaxy. Um, and um, yeah, we're really excited for Chris. So stay tuned uh, for later in the show as we get Chris on here. We're going to have Chris on here. And then we have a crazy thing. It happened to me um, where uh, you will learn about how I got attacked by one of the biggest Trump um party p i don't know what you'd describe him as trump army he's like one of the leaders of the trump army he had dan bongino he had trump on his uh, show he's on fox news all the time i had had no idea who he was which is my gaffe you'll we'll get into it it's an insane story might be the most insane story we've brought to the show so far so we have that to look forward to yeah i mean so in addition to aaron um getting into online twitter epic battles um we're we're gonna do our regular lovely segments with hope in 60 seconds and we have some user submissions towards the end so we got a fun show a packed show for you today so let's kick it off rohit is a a, a published author for the second time in the guardian and i just want to give him a shout out and a congrats this time he wrote about animal crossing a topic we covered i believe like around episode five mm -hmm. and it went from you know, the millions who listen to this podcast to the millions who read The Guardian. And I just want to say a big congrats for your article. Everyone should go read it. Well, thanks, Aaron. Yeah, I feel like, you know, the uh, an established publication like The Guardian and Aaron and Rowett's Hopeless Show podcast are audience crossover is pretty huge. Um, it's big, yeah. Yeah, the demographics are almost one-to-one. -one. So we think it was just a really natural, you know, place for me to be in both areas. Um, no, but uh, but, uh, but for real, <laughs> thank you very much for, for uh, the shout. Um, and for anybody interested, the topic uh, that I spoke about this week that you can go look it up is, and we can try and include in the show notes, the link to the article was effectively yes. how... Uh, you know, playing Animal Crossing might almost be a modern revival of finding religion. So take a take a read. Find religion and animals with Rohit. That's right. So uh, big. I'm trying to find the uh, the like applause thing on our soundboard and I can't. So I'm just going to clap. Yay. Good job. Yay. So now a little bit of news from the quarantine, um, along with uh, the logic party, our, our party, neither left nor right. All logic. Uh, I'll start with that. Uh, so Rob Lowe, um, I, I've had a, a weird, a weird dealings with this man. He, uh, Rob Lowe, for those who know, don't know, he's an actor. He's been in a lot of things. Off the top of my head, I can't think of him, but I know he. I mean, I've seen him. He's famous. There's a cop uh, show, cop show things. Yeah. He, uh, he has a a poster that is on La Cienega that I drive by all the time in Los Angeles, and it says Rob Lowe appearing in Palm Springs at Casino Morongo, March like 27th. It obviously never happened because, but they also don't have billboards to replace it uh, because like there's nothing, just like the the Ben Affleck, the, the way back, whatever the movie was, Call Me By Your Back football, that movie that we talked about in episode one, those posters are still up everywhere. But we're focusing on, and the movie's like done. So Rob Lowe, Palm Springs. 
I had an incident with Rob Lowe, and it feels like in this quarantine, he keeps rubbing it in my face. And I had the incident in Palm Springs. So every time I drive by this poster during the quarantine, it reminds me of how Rob Lowe screwed me over. And I just wanted to bring that up. What he did is during, if you remember old Chella, if you remember the, uh, the bit where it was the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, Neil Young, Roger Waters, it was like the biggest blockbuster concert yep. ever. Um, and I was lucky enough to get to sit in the box with Baba Bowie, with um, the Howard Stern crew, not Howard Stern himself, but all his people from the Sirius XM box. So there are about 20 of us. Rob Lowe was one of them. And at one point toward the end of the show, and um, and a, bu a bunch of us, Baba Booey, myself, like that we had, uh, we'd been sampling some, um, some of some nature and ha we're hungry. Some treats. Some treats. And we're hungry. Actually, yeah, Cheetos nature treats. Uh, they were called Weedos. And, um, so we were sampling treats and I was really hungry and they brought out, they kept bringing out food and they brought out cookies and that was like the big thing. And so in Palm Springs during the old Shella, I went and there was like one more cookie. So I went and got it and put it on my plate and then I went to grab a drink. And when I came back, I looked and Rob Lowe had taken the cookie from my plate and was eating it. And I was just like, you schmuck. Like, that was the last cookie. You already had your cookies and you didn't, like you took it from my plate, which was right behind me. But I didn't know what to say because of the nature that I, I was experiencing. And so I just looked at him and was like, and I did like one of those shrugs and he looked at me and just kept eating the cookie. So classic every time, Roblo. classic Rob Lowe. So every time I drive by this poster during my quarantine, I think of that and I get mad. All right, well, your turn. <laughs> well, yeah, you got to hunt him down and get some cookies from him. I know. Um, someday he's going to give me a cookie back. I'm glad his show got canceled, though, the one in Barongo, because it's like vengeance. Yeah, uh, well, all right. So that's my news from quarantine. All over a cookie. Um, and more news from the quarantine. Uh, according to Reuters, lessons from the porn industry could help Hollywood adapt to the coronavirus. So right now, um, you know, <laughs> okay, I, I'm, I'm all ears. We, you know, we both uh, work in, um, you know, various forms of film and video production. Um, and, you know, we spend time on set and we, you know, we're, we're making things that go into the world in different formats. But the biggest challenge, I think, right now for anybody that's on this side of the, the industry is that, um, you know, it's going to be really hard to make things with talent and people in the same space and production and craft services and everybody that is needed for any type of shoot. Um, so what, uh, you know, our entertainment industry and our production industry is sort of picking up tips from is from the adult film industry and how they, you know, the film industry that has, you know, suffered from various crises, you know, one being the AIDS crisis, um, how that they are able to test their, their actors and they're able to sort of create isolated sets for privacy. And there's a lot of lessons. It's funny that porn always seems to drive technology. It always seems to drive innovation. So it's really, really interesting, you know, in terms of video browsing, like YouTube came after porn. YouTube was inspired by porn. Um, every sort of, you know, thing Ron, Ron Jeremy, uh, Elon Musk based all of his visions around Ron Jeremy. Well, I mean, but seriously, like it's porn is generally seen as the if it happens in porn first, it's going to happen in the rest of you know technology after that. So um, yeah, now porn's leading the way in production. Um, really, really interested to see how that works out. Um, but maybe to help us uh, shoot a little bit quicker um, some of our stuff that you know uh, that we're trying to do or even make it possible. Yeah, slim down crews um, and more nudity. Boom, done. Done. Uh, so that's interesting. I didn't know that. That Thank you for sharing that. I'm going to rethink all of our productions from now on. And uh, yeah, I won't say what's in my head right now. So a lot of times in the morning, I have my routine. It's alarm goes off. I hit it. Alarm goes off. I hit it again. Alarm goes off. I hit it again. I finally wake up. I go on Twitter and like just see what's going on in the news or like in the world. Um, partly for this show. And... So on Twitter, I saw something trending and I usually it's like dumb things that are trending. And so I comment on them. And uh, 
I'll go to like whoever, like whoever's trending and I'll comment. So I did that on, on, on Sunday morning. I went on, I clicked on it and I saw something trending. And then they said that it was basically the Russians had put this topic on the, on in the, in the forefront so that, um, cause they like to interfere with things. So I, then it was like a, a, about Obamagate or something. And I was like, I don't. I don't even know what this means. They didn't really know what it meant at the time. And so then I clicked on it. The first person that I saw commented, I didn't even look who it was. I just read the tweet that was um, that was what he wrote. Uh, he wrote sign about the Obamagate. And then I said, hi, Russian bot. Push your off button, please. That's what I wrote. I didn't even think about it. I really was just like, all right, that... That's my tweet for the morning. Now I'm going to go on about my day, have some breakfast. And uh, then things exploded. Like I just saw like a, a bombardment of Twitter hate directed toward me. Uh, and it was, I realized, so the person that I had written that to is a guy named Dan Bongino. Do you know who Dan Bongino is? Uh I only learned a little bit about him as I was scraping through Twitter and you were texting me this weekend, but tell us a little more. So I didn't know who he was, which maybe is ignorant on my part. What, who he is, is he's a, uh, he's run for Congress three times and lost. He was a secret service agent before that. And now he is like one of Trump's biggest fans. Like he goes on Fox news, talks about Trump a lot. Trump was just on his show like a couple days before this and Trump minutes before I wrote that had tweeted praise about Dan Bongino on his thing. So what happened was I did this tweet. So not only did I get Dan Bongino has millions of followers, which I didn't know. And then all of Trump's followers had just gone to Dan Bongino because he just praised him. So, and then Dan Bongino decided that I was going to be the target, the the one who was going to be bashed. So he wrote two things about me uh, on his Twitter that I saw. And then I'll tell you what happened. He wrote, they're melting down. This is about me. They're melting down. They don't know what to do. They're clawing at their own faces, realizing their whole lives are a lie. And that Obama, their Messiah, is the most Corrupt president in U.S. history. They have nothing left. It's over. And it's glorious to watch. And then he points at me. That was the first one. The second one was that I saw, and then I couldn't see them anymore. I'll tell you why. Is Aaron has, quote unquote, the in his Twitter handle, as if anyone else would pretend to be this nobody. Hilarious. And then me. So that happened. And then I tried to respond and I wrote one response and then he blocked me so that I couldn't respond anymore. But him and these millions of people, they just kept bashing me and I got thousands of hate messages at me. Uh, and so first to answer, because I wasn't able to totally to his two things. Um, I don't think Obama is the Messiah. It's just not what I don't really think of a Messiah. I don't believe in, I'm Jewish, that we don't have a real Messiah. So I don't think that. Um, it was interesting because he put these thoughts into my head that are just not true. He like, br he branded me as this one type of thing. And it's just not who I am, as we just talked about, about the Logic Party. Then the second thing, the V in my Twitter handle, I realized there are plenty of Aaron Wolfs. Actually, the reason that the the is in it is because when I first went on Twitter, like in college or whenever Twitter started, there was an Aaron Wolf already. So I just put a the there. It might have suggested it to me because that was just the next Twitter handle. Like I didn't understand Twitter that much. So that's why it's the Aaron Wolf because Aaron Wolf was taken. That had nothing to do with that. I don't think there are other Aaron Wolfs out there. So those are the actual answers to uh, this. The fact that he thinks I'm a nobody and that I'm like every leftist person, which that I don't even consider myself that. Anyway, that was his choices. I did feel that it was fairly thin-skinned to then block me. 
it's kind of hilarious. You know, some people can, they, they, they can't take it. They can only dish it. Um, <laughs> now, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I started reading through some of those comments. I mean, outside of the horrid use of grammar, um, or misuse of grammar, um, yeah. outside of people hoping everybody in California dies, hating Hollywood, blaming all of their problems on some guy they never met that was trying to make a funny joke. Um, I think you can take solace in, you know, I mean, these people kind of reminded me also of the commenters on the politics subreddit, uh, over on reddit.com. Huh. Um, they're unhinged, like absolutely unhinged. And the good thing is, um, Aaron, I think that all these idiots that are saying dumb stuff, that's like, like, like literally tanky left on Reddit, or that's like fascist right uh, on these, you know, on Twitter in these spaces. Yeah. The is, they're putting this out publicly next to their names. They are raising their hands for any employer, for anyone <laughs> to literally, it's kind of, it's kind of goes back to remember when, when, you know, we talked about people jumping onto zoom calls and then sort of saying anti-Semitic stuff. Like, and they did. A lot of them jumped in and said anti-Semitic things about me. Yeah. It's, so yes. They're raising their hands to get fired. Um, and you know, and if any of them really does cross the line, it's just a simple problem. Google search a LinkedIn and then you could just send that tweet to their employer if you really want to get vengeful. <laughs> like, and, and just go to town. Yeah. I mean, it's not like you made them say anything. Um, no, yeah, uh, that, that's what was so interesting is just the amount of, and I like your point of view because the, the amount of anger was, it's like, I, I, am a guy who, as you know, I've, I've given speeches to the left, to the right. And it's always about, let's rise above this stuff to these places of hope. That's how this whole podcast came about. And so the idea that I couldn't have that conversation was, upsetting. I like what you're saying. And, and I guess, cause one little, uh, silver lining this morning, I had a, a talk with uh, one of the head editors of the Washington post, who's interested in potentially having me do an op-ed for them or for another one of their, their, uh, publications. Great. And, uh, and, and, and what I, in talking to him, what I realized is, you know, if I can have a conversation with him or someone like him where we can disagree on a lot of things, but we can still be there together saying this is a United States and we're going to still stand united even with our disagreements. That's, I think, where we want to head back to as a country. And this just displayed where we're like veering so far away from that. Yeah. Troll them. Well, that's... I. I did. I, as you, I think I sent you, I kept, I wrote, I like, it was killing them with kindness. Yeah. I like some people who said I had like no balls. I said, Oh man. So what makes you think that? Like, like, do you know how I can get balls again? Yeah, Things like that. And then I'd say, I'd always sign off like, you know, ballless Aaron. Yeah. They want to someone called me a fucktard. And I said, fucktard Aaron. Yeah. They want to see you angry because they're angry. And when you don't get angry, it makes them angrier. It's the best. It's the best. It's like, it's like asking someone in the middle of a fight, like, Hey, listen, you know, like stop being so upset. You should calm down, calm down. You know, it's like, it gets people more riled up. So it's great. All right. I feel hope from that. And I, and I, I don't think this story is done either. We're going to, there's, this is not over. Um, but for right now, I feel hope and we'll be coming back to it more because it's, it's, it's not over, but for now, ready? Hope Kong. Thank hope you, Rowan. Kong. I feel hope. Oh yeah. Whenever you get hate, embrace it. Embrace uh, the hate. Yes. Embrace the hate. <laughs> um, so uh, with, with that, we're going to go to our favorite game, Guess the BTS, yes, uh, which is a time. quick one this week. It's so um, what do BTS, South Korea, baseball, and Parasite have in common? BTS, South Korea, baseball, and Parasite. Uh, and BTS I mean, is the big K-pop band that we talk about every week. I'm a huge fan. Rohit's becoming a fan. I just haven't listened to much of their music yet. Um, I mean, they're all happening. They're all based out of Korea. All that's happening. Uh, am I missing something deeper? Because I'll keep guessing. 
That no, you you've got it. Except there's one big piece. They were all part of a giant headline article in the Washington in the Wall Street Journal today. It was like the front page of the Wall Street Journal. One of their stories was BTS, Parasite, and now baseball. South Korean pop culture is having a moment, and. And uh, I just found it interesting that of all publications, the Wall Street Journal is catching on. I think they listened to us because they're catching on to what we've been talking. We've known this for a while. They're now catching on. But to see it on the Wall Street Journal, I thought, well, that's extra. Um, yeah. I mean, if they start doing guess the BTS, then I think uh, <laughs> we're going to have a lawsuit on our hands. Um, yeah, we're suing. So good job. You you nailed it, and it, except for the Wall Street Journal part, which is, how would you have known? <laughs> but it's awesome. Um, uh, so that brings us to topic two. Speaking of South Korea, yeah, Elon Musk. Of, yeah, so the topic is, what is you doing, Elon Musk? Um, and first I must open and say that um, I am an Elon Musk fanboy. And yeah, he does some questionable things, says some questionable things. But I love the bravado. I love the fact that the dude honestly doesn't care what his shareholders have to say. He doesn't care what anybody has to say. And those kinds of people are the only types of people are mainly the types of people who I care what they have to say, because I, <laughs> I love those kind of people. Um, but what started to get a bit concerning recently is him uh, sort of uh, demanding that uh, the, the, the city of Alameda or Alameda County rather, He's demanding Alameda County uh, let him open up his Tesla plant again um, amidst a quarantine in California right now. Um, you know, this is jeopardizing workers' lives. It's, uh, you know, we can argue equally, you know, you can make a pretty good argument for either side whether Tesla is an essential business or not. And I'm not going to, we're not here to argue that. But what I think that I'm upset with and I feel a little bit hopeless about is like someone that, this controversial icon that I adore and I generally agree with everything he says. Um, but now we got two weeks in a row. Last week we found out, you know, him and Grimes named their baby like Shay A hyphen 12 or whatever. Oh yeah. That yeah. was a hopeless topic. <laughs> yeah. And now then, then later on he's that week, he said he's going to sell all his earthly possessions and just live everything kind of digitally. And I was like, Oh God. And then now the whole, <laughs> like uh, he's, he's telling, um, you know, his workers to go back into the, into work, despite what California says. And if anybody gets arrested, he's, he'll, it, it should be him, not them. Cause he's compelling them to work. It's getting weird. And to take the story further, Alameda County relented and Tesla is going to be able to go back um, with some restrictions pretty soon. Um, so I guess he won. Um, but yeah, I'm feeling kind of hopeless that I don't have heroes. I've never had a hero in my life for anything, but I have people that I, a few people that I thoroughly admire and see as role models. And Elon always has been one for me, um, especially because he's controversial. But this, I'm feeling hopeless because this might've been too much. Help me. I will help you. Um, what I know of what he's done, and this guy is, he's definitely out there and he's also an amazing brain. Uh, he's done a lot and, and continues to do a lot. So for forget about the person for a moment and just remember he is contributing to society in massive ways to help us for the future much like a Steve Jobs wasn't uh, considered a great dude to a lot of people but man did he contribute to society to your life even more than my life and uh, but just a huge influence and another piece with this is the one thing I saw about this story is that Elon Musk, and I, I respect him for this, and I, I hope you will see that, is that he said, if the police come to arrest people for disobeying orders in Alameda County for his plant, he said he will be on the lines, like he's going to go to the Tesla plant and be putting maybe parts into the Tesla or whatever you do. He's going to be there. And he said, don't arrest anyone but me. If you come, I'm going to stand at the front door, put handcuffs on me. That's it. And I think as out there and crazy as he's being, at least he's taking responsibility for his craziness and saying, arrest me then. And we still get his cool ideas, even if he's in jail. 
So does that feel hope? Because at least he's standing for something and willing to get arrested and not throw his employees into that. I mean, I appreciate him kind of saying, you know, putting himself on the front line like that. Um, and honestly, maybe, maybe there's a positive outcome. If he does get arrested, it's kind of gangster. So, yeah. you know, it's just, it's just, it's just more street cred for Elon. It's um, like Jane Fonda was getting arrested constantly during protest. Oh, she was yeah. like miss arrested every oh, week. Yeah. Like Jane Fonda got arrested. I was like, she's badass. Yeah. So, you know, maybe, maybe this is just the next evolution for Elon. The dude that keeps getting arrested. I could arrested. live with that. I could so do you feel that. hope? I do. I mean, I think, you know, it's still scary if he, uh, you know, I think this is the year that he gets ousted from Tesla as their, you know, as the guy running the show. But, uh, cause I do want to work for him one day, um, as nightmarish as I hear that is. Um, but yeah. Is that I'll better just, than Jimmy Dean sausage? Nothing could be, um, okay, good. but yeah. So, okay. I feel, I feel hopeful a gangster, you know, Elon Musk in orange overalls is, is kind of awesome. And wouldn't it be great if he was in jail with Joe exotic? Like the conversations those two would have. Yeah, well, they were some of the documentary <laughs> right. in itself. Yay. Yay. And and now we the excitement continues this week with, with, with the episode I'm most excited about is that we get to uh now go talk to Chris and see what he's hopeless about and bring him in on the show. And now it's that moment that all you listeners have been waiting for. We are here with our very, very special guest, Christopher Harris of the Harris Football Podcast, who I would like to call not only my favorite podcaster, but a friend. So, wow. yeah. And so to give you guys a, a little bit of background, Chris is my guru when it comes to fantasy football. <laughs> he uh, is the reason that I've dominated so many of my fantasy leagues, including the one that Aaron's in. Um, and I try not to share Chris uh, his, his wealth of knowledge with people that are in my leagues, but everybody else that I don't play with, uh, they hear about it. And, um, we're so excited to have you here, Chris. So welcome to the show. Yeah, Thank welcome. you for having me guys. Chris, for the listeners out there, um, you know, you're, you're, you're a football guy. Um, and you make a podcast. You've been doing it for five years now. Congrats on your anniversary. So in, in your time, you know, uh, you know, what have you been uh, sort of what's been keeping you entertained in this time without with a bit of a lack of sports, that, you know, right now? I don't miss sports <laughs> right now. I mean, I guess I do because I would be watching like hockey playoffs. We nobody know. knows anything about what's, you know, nobody knows anything. They. Yeah. But I mean, I, I'd be interested in the NBA playoffs, too. Um, this is the time of year when I actually step away from sports a little more. I'm a fiction writer, too. So I'm usually doing some sort of. Uh, novel writing at this point, which I am. Um, so that's honestly like my other than not being able to leave my apartment <laughs> or go back to Massachusetts, because usually in the summer I go back to Massachusetts. I'm in LA right now. Uh, this this time of year for me actually isn't. I, I, this isn't all that different. What's going to wind up being different is what what happens in September. So, uh, are you willing to share a little bit with us about what your uh, novel might be, uh, sort of, or at least thematically? you might be uh, working with yeah the it's it's um so so the most recent book that i put out was called tulsa i do you have that i think i think i've seen it in your house yes i don't it's think you read it though i haven't had a chance but yeah, i haven't had a chance it's, it's quarantine <laughs> i mean it's real busy but yeah uh, i've been playing a lot of like, animal crossing i at least ha i have an excuse i don't have the book <laughs> yeah, that's right. It, uh, Rohit has Animal Crossing, Aaron. So you know, like, listen, he's busy. But uh, so yeah, the, the, I'm aware that one was a that one was about um, kind of apocalypse. Which um, there's a there's a did, did you see? Ro I think you did, Rohit. That that uh, uh, what the little uh, what I don't, what do you call it? The the little bit at the beginning, the little quote at the beginning, the thank you, the acknowledgments, all that stuff that I tweeted out. Uh, what the acknowledgements were in Tulsa, which was like, thanks to all my friends who helped me with this. Thanks to the publisher, blah, 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 blah. blah. And thanks to the world for not yet turning into this checks watch. And <laughs> wait, when did you write the book? 2018. Yeah. So you're like, you actually are, a, you can, you're like, can see the future. 
Well, no, but I mean, it's not exactly the same um, terribleness, but there is some terribleness in that book. And um, yeah, that was brought to my attention by my buddy, Matt, uh, that I, I forgot that I did that. But anyway, so I don't want people to get the idea that I'm like a science fiction author, but this new novel is, it takes place in 2050, 2050, and it's going to be very long and uh, the world has changed in some ways and frustratingly stayed, frustratingly stayed the same in other ways. And it's tracking kind of three main characters in this quest for a drug that helps people not be afraid of dying. Whoa. Okay. Uh, I have a question about that. Yes. Um, what made you think of of that topic because this is a topic that I think every single human sure. can relate to since we're all toast just depends when <laughs> so maybe that's the why though I mean that that's sort of the why I I guess it stems from I thought of the idea that of this particular story before the pandemic before all this nonsense that we're going through right now um huh. was going on but it strikes me that a lot of the institutions and movements and blind alleys that are especially Western, but I would say overall humanity, civilization has taken, relate to the managing and manipulation of, of that particular fear. And mm -hmm. uh, and that if, I don't, I don't know if there's an alternative and maybe the kind of the thrust of the book in the back of my mind, once I get through however many hundred pages, it's going to be five, 600 page novel it's going to be, um, You're going half James Mishner. I'm going half uh, Infinite Jest. Let's say let's let's go a little more contemporary <laughs> reference for me. Um, but uh, you know, maybe there's no alternative to, but to structure society <laughs> t it, around the idea of being afraid of what else there is. But it's 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 an interesting thing to think about. I think. And so. Considering that we're all toast and you're writing about it, um, and now we're going through a thing where we all feel like we might be toast now, as opposed to 2050, has has the current landscape and quarantine has that altered what you where you thought the book would go? It's a great question, and I would say probably yes. In a lot of ways, yes. Um, Practically speaking, people in 2050 looking back on 2020 would go, oh, that was the year of the, you know, of the quarantine. Like, and I have a person who calls, who's 30 years old, who calls himself a quarantine baby. Um, <laughs> I would, I, I also, though, it's, it's weird in that it lays bare a lot of the, what we're going through right now lays bare a lot of the death drive, frankly. You know, there's just a lot of people in this country who think, Stocks go up is is what matters, and really the rest of it, I don't care. Um, it lays bare a lot of our relationship with death and how some people just have this cognitive dissonance. They just don't believe it. I just don't believe it could happen to me ever, you know? And so so philosophically, yes, it, it seeps into every thought I have, probably a lot of us, every thought we have. Um, and yet it grants some degree of freedom to be 30 years in the future because... However, this resolves, it's going to be resolved, right? It won't still be going on exactly as it is right now. So in some ways, it lets me plot-wise kind of imagine life well beyond it. So not to bury the lead, Chris, but, um, you know, one of the, 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 you know, the reasons that we really wanted to talk to you today, amongst many, is that you are a writer, and we just talked about your novel, but you are a football writer. So, Chris, do you want to sort of talk about maybe some, you know, it's kind of your process every year and maybe how it might be different this time of year? Mm, yeah, it's this this time this year is really different. I'm much less enthusiastic about writing it. Um, so I get up in the morning and I'm excited to be awake because the mornings are for writing fiction and I dig in and I really, you know, feel like I'm thinking and trying to be funny and trying to be wise and trying to be all the things that you try to be when you're a fiction writer. And then I work out a little bit and I have lunch and then it's time to write football. And I'm in most years, that's exciting too. That's super fun. I feel energized by it. Let's go watch some film. Let's write some profiles again, tell jokes. I feel like it's kind of, it's the commercial side of what I do. It's where I make money, you know, but I, but I enjoy it a lot. And this year, just with what's going on, it's tough to get. I, I still like the mornings, 
and the afternoons are tougher because, you know, to, we talk about hope. I mean, part of it is just I'm create I'm spending months creating this document that is really is a hope act because there might not be a season. We have no idea. We talked about hockey before, like. Nothing anybody says right now really means anything because we're going to find out, you know, if in two months people are dying in incredible numbers, no matter what Roger Goodell, the commissioner of the NFL said two months ago, they're still going to reassess because it really is kind of a wild West situation. Um, it, it makes football feel a lot less important. It already didn't feel, I think you, you, you know, Rohit we're friends, you know, I don't particularly think football is important anyway. And, yeah. uh, it really <laughs> lends perspective to that. And then just this notion that I have to write, you know, a hundred thousand words about a season that might not happen. It, it does. It, 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 I'll just say this is the, is it the fifth time I'm doing one of these? I can't remember whether it's the fourth or the fifth, but, um, it's the one where every afternoon I have a harder time getting my engine going to do it than I ever have before. Now, every spring, usually how deep into May are you when you're writing this almanac before you realize you hate football? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's I new mean, to I didn't know that. So you hate football. No, no, I don't hate football. Um, I like it. I, I wouldn't. I mean, I do it for a living, right? I've, I worked at ESPN for eight years. I've been on my own for five. I wouldn't keep doing it if I didn't like it. I have I have an absolutely amazing audience. Rohit, you're part of it. Um mm -hmm. Just the most engaged, funniest, coolest, supportive people that you could ever imagine. I never, you know, I said this on the last show before. Now I'm on high, so the football podcast is on hiatus till at the at the earliest July. But the one thing I said at the very end of the most the, the last podcast of this season was uh, people don't understand who listen to the show that the guests will come on my podcast. And we'll be chatting before, you know, we shoot the shoot the breeze for 10 minutes before we start recording. And and there's ne I don't think there's ever been a regular guest at, who at some point in the course of us chatting before their appearances at some point has not said, what is with your audience? They're insane. They're so fun. They're so amazing. <laughs> like I get when I'm on your show, I get the most follower because I get the most feedback. I get the most just sort of funny inside jokes that and they remember things that I said two years ago on your show. All of that is just such an now now that is such a part of the way I perceive football that it would be hard for me hard for it to be like a a super negative. I I would say that you know by the time I get into like late June early July and I'm finishing up the almanac I hate the almanac. Oh my god, <laughs> I wanted to I wanted to perish. But you know it's funny and I think it's I'm proud of it. It's good. It's just I'm you know I'm just freaking done with it. And so your audience, I've listened to your show a few times. Obviously not enough because this year in on our in our league I finished in both ninth and tenth place, so I finished in second to last and last. I drafted two teams. That's hard. Uh, yeah, it was bad. So I should have listened more. Um, but a, a hopeless thing just about football because I, I want to get better at fantasy and I feel pretty embarrassed by my skills of of fantasy football. I'm also a Dolphins fan. I'm a life lifelong Dolph Miami Dolphins fan which is also incredibly hopeless. Uh, uh, so football, my relationship to football is like yours. I kind of hate it because I'm just, everything about it is negative toward me, to me until this year. Like this year for the first time in forever, you know, our draft I think was good. Like maybe, hopefully. Uh, so what I want to ask you is, is my hope warranted for the Dolphins if there's a season that we could Goodish, sure, absolutely. I like Tua a lot. They drafted a young quarterback, Tua Tag Tagovailoa. Oh my God! On this podcast I, with names we can't pronounce, we just say Tua Tagovailoa. Tagovailoa. Yeah. I don't know how I didn't. I only talk about these guys for a living. Um, <laughs> sh sure, sure. I think they've they've got a chance to be good if there's a season. I mean, you know, the hope springs eternal. Not not just in spring, like. Football is the ultimate sport that year to year doesn't mean anything. Year over year is is just you get a huge turnaround for positive and for negative every single year. So every team legitimately goes into the season going, ah, eh, I mean, we, we may not be a threat to win the Super Bowl, but having like a a miracle playoff, a Titans playoff run to the AFC Championship game, bah, sure, maybe. Um, I, I, you know, I feel like that's football's great <laughs> sort of. 
replenished virginity every single year, right? <laughs> every single year you're able to go, if, you, if I squint, I can see it, damn it. Whereas I never, I know, I don't follow baseball anymore. I used to be a huge baseball fan, but we all know that there are 10 teams that have absolutely no chance because they won't spend the money and they don't have any prospects. Like there's always hopelessness in baseball in a way that there just isn't in football. Especially if you're a Baltimore Orioles fan like myself. Oh um, yeah. They're pretty yeah, hopeless. Yeah. It's yeah. Hope. Yeah. It, it's I'm a Knicks fan and I'm a Baltimore Orioles fan. Um, the only thing I got going for me is the New York Giants. Right, right, because that's gone so well. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, if you have hope for the Giants, then, man, my hope for the Dolphins is massive. But uh, we, won't, we, don't, we don't need to go to yeah. negative. Yeah. So well, I was going to talk to Chris for another, like, three or four hours about his life, but I guess we can move on to Norbit. Um, yeah. So we do, Chris, we have a section in the show, in this show called uh, Hopeless TV, because uh, right now everyone's watching a lot of TV, especially. The, the film Norbit, and uh, do you know the film? I, re- I remember it's Eddie Murphy in a fat suit, but other than that, I don't really remember. I don't think I may never have seen it. Um, I hadn't. Now I have. Uh, it's <laughs> it's <laughs> it's Eddie Murphy in a fat suit. It's also Eddie Murphy as uh, the fat suit. His her name that he plays is Respucia. Um, she's the girlfriend to Norbit, who's like this orphaned kind of awkward guy. So their boyfriend and girlfriend and Respucia is like a b- bad She's not very nice. And then uh, there's a third Eddie Murphy character called Mr. Wong. So Eddie Murphy also plays like your stereotypical like Asian older guy. And this film is uh, is, is massively, massively like racist. And uh, there's so many things wrong with it. And I felt bad because and maybe it's the quarantine. I don't know. But I watched the whole film and and I, I I laughed like I found it funny, and I found the film to be enjoyable. Like it's not a good film, but I found it enjoyable. I also found it confusing. I didn't quite follow the plot, but I enjoyed it. And uh, it's a very I feel, heady film. <laughs> it's a heady film, and and I feel um, hopeless. I feel guilty. Like I like I enjoyed Norbit. Uh, I also looked up, though. I did look it up, and it also was a huge hit. It made like 150 million bucks. So, um, so I guess I wasn't alone. It's still on TV. It was made in 2008. It has a lot of great cameos, like Eddie Griffin's in it. Uh, Marlon Wayans plays a dance instructor. Like this film is just so peculiar and odd. Tandy Newton is his other love interest, and then she ends up loving him. She's gorgeous. Norbit, the character is. Um, interesting. <laughs> it's it's so peculiar. So maybe could, could could either of you give me some hope because I just feel bad about my taste. <laughs> of course, I mean the. So I, I get asked this a lot because I really I joke about be, me being a snob, and I do I like I have higher brow tastes than some, and I get asked every so often <laughs> like we have a we have a Facebook group like hey can you tell me what guilty pleasure things that you know that you don't that aren't good but you enjoy and I'm like. No, I mean, honestly, if one's experience of something as one is experiencing it is this is bad and crap, then that's self-destructive behavior to continue with it. But you just said it, Aaron. You you were laughing. You were having fun. I was. That is is its own reward. That's If Eddie Murphy were right here right now, that's all he would say is like, did you laugh? I know I didn't make anything that's going to add to the human condition that's going to really address <laughs> social problems. This is, but did, did I make you laugh? And I think that if the answer is that you actually enjoyed it, then I don't think we should be like within reason, like we probably shouldn't enjoy like torturing puppies, but as you know, if we're, if we're consuming entertainment, mostly if we're enjoying it, it's probably okay for us. That was like the one thing that they didn't have bad in this film. Was no torturing, torturing puppies. puppies? Yeah, yeah. They didn't actually do that, which was <laughs> so. I guess that's a redeeming thing. They didn't do that. They did like everything else wrong in this film. So thank you. All right. So I feel better about about Norbit, and I, I guess then I have to say I recommend people check it out. <laughs> it was just funny. just realize it's super racist. <laughs> it's super racist and wrong. Like everything. I mean, they they offend everyone in it. Uh, so Rowett, should we move to? Because I feel good. I'll actually, Chris, you're gonna get the. Hope Gong, because you gave me hope after feeling really bad about it. And I'm a filmmaker, too, so I shouldn't like this film, but I liked it. Uh, <laughs> there, the Hope Gong, you did it. Um, 
So now we have a, a thing that we do called uh, Hope in 60 Seconds, where Rohit and I, we challenge each other in 60 seconds to find hope in a, a topic. So either you can jump in or tell us, you can be the, the hope judge, like say, did we do it? Did we, okay. did we actually do a good job of doing this? We have a, okay. a couple topics. The, a big news item this week was that they have come up with lifelike sex robots that have a heartbeat and breathe and they're going to go on sale this year. And I'm looking at pictures of them right now. They look practically real and it made, it made me think, so are these sex robots going to like replace human love? They can't give you coronavirus. Here's the way I see it, Aaron. Um, I don't know how much time I have left, but um I think that these robots can actually be healthy for people. The uh, I think where we've been is, um, you know, there's been sex toys around for a long time. And imagine being able to add an artificial intelligence. Imagine being able to then maybe resuscitate a loved one in a way like, you know, let's say your wife died or whatever. Yeah. And then you could bang her robot version. Uh, but um, I think it's a way for people to even that are lonely that could never uh, you know, be with someone intimately for one reason or another, this is a way for them to sort of fulfill that. And if they fall in love with them, they fall in love, whatever. I think it's fine. I think it's fine. And great. you have five seconds. Anything else? Uh, robot vaginas. <laughs> Perfect. Stop. So uh, let's go to the judges, which is one judge. Uh, Chris, <laughs> did he accomplish, the, uh, did he give us hope? I don't even think it's that hopeless of a news item, to be honest. I think it's nice. I think it's fine. I think, yes, he totally succeeded. You guys know the Spike Jones movie, Her? Yes. I mean, philosophically speaking, like, obviously it's complicated, and Joaquin Phoenix's character winds up feeling lost, but actually kind of, it's good that he processed loss through this relationship with Scarlett Johansson, but uh, 100%, I think it's, I think it's fine. Oh, oh, that movie sure. had that movie had uh, had fat Chris Pratt. I don't remember that. He was in it. He was oh, wow. he was the best friend, I believe. Fat Chris Pratt, which is just I like saying that because he prefers like he's self-referential about how he was like the fat guy. and Now he's the heartthrob. So, yeah, I remember that part, too. <laughs> so, yeah, the uh, that sound. Yeah. So, OK, so it wasn't even hope. I guess I thought some that was hopeless wasn't. Um, so I now it's my turn to. Yep answer so, uh a, a thing I'll, I'll start the the timer and where the hell is my oh there it is all right so let me start this timer and the topic all right and the topic is loud sex thunderous dancing how coronavirus strains neighborly ties essentially this uh hopeless topic is about people uh complaining this is an article in the guardian people are really complaining that their zoom calls for work are being disrupted by neighbors having sex neighbors partying and at this point people are starting to hate their neighbors and uh, really, it's it's causing a strain when everybody's working at home. It's it's getting hot, windows open, and people are literally can't work because there's booty knocking happening through the walls. Um, so how much? I don't know if we can take it much longer before some incident happens and someone, I don't know, shoots somebody like that. But give me some hope. I really believe that this whole time of coronavirus is about learning. So if you hear someone having sex above you on a Zoom call, why don't you all just learn from their technique and see what you can get out of it? <laughs> My time's up. That's all I got. <laughs> learn. Learn more about their sex life so you can apply it to yours. Let's turn to the judge. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, well, let's... You know, I guess the way I would turn it around would be, can you talk to them? Is there a way to be in touch with them? Do you have their phone number to text with them? Like, can you establish some form of communication? I mean, selfish behavior, it's hard to spin that into hope, except insofar as you can kind of make the other person understand that you're perceiving it as selfish and hopefully reach some sort of future detente. <laughs> or, or yes. you know, there's a fetish for everything. So what you could do is 
record the audio and then put it up on one of those sites and then sell it. And then your annoyance is somehow making you money. Oh, brilliant. Use it as a financial endeavor or like, you know how you, you can do audio and then sync it and then like have like something else play out. So you can like make a pup, like porn puppet shows based around the audio. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I just made that up. Porn puppets. Thank you though, Chris, for being honest with my failure. Uh, That, by the way, that, that article was in the guardian, which is known for such things as Rohit. He has been in the guardian. So I I am the guardian. Um, But yes, Chris, uh, I would like to thank you for joining us on our show. Um, You've been an amazing guest, patient with us, and um, a really good sport about all of our various topics and questions. Well, thanks for having me, guys. It was fun to talk to you. Hopefully people are deriving some level of connection and or feelings of hope. That would be nice. It's It's a hard time. And yeah, like, thanks. And let's and let's just give uh, Roa. Do you want to uh, give some plugs quick for yeah, uh, for for Chris? Absolutely. And everybody, you can find Chris Harris on Twitter at Harris Football. Make sure you can make sure you pick up his new almanac. If you're into fantasy football, heck, it's even just going to be a great read. Um, and even if there is no season, you're going to enjoy <laughs> it. You're going to laugh. You can go to harrisfootball.com and pick up that almanac. You can pre-order it right now. And if you're in a hankering for reading, you can go pick up Tulsa or any other of Chris's books. Your, I guess your online bookstore, because you're not going into a bookstore. Yes, it would have to be at Amazon, but there are four novels that I've written. Yeah, they're all, they're all on Amazon. And if you're, if you're an audiobook person, you might be because you're listening to a podcast. Uh, all four of those books are, are an audiobook f- format, and they're all read by me. <laughs> That's so you awesome. Get even more Chris. Yeah. And and one other plug for Chris is in two or three years you should pick up his book about the the <laughs> fear of death of yet. the untitled yeah. the, the untitled <laughs> you're not gonna fear death pill book uh, <laughs> in on bookstores and shelves in three years completely years. completely uh, corona free it'll be that that book is guaranteed it's actually gonna be a corona repellent it'll probably also be like a person Ooh. repellent because it's not the happiest topic but hey. Pick it up okay. like a pickup toilet paper. Yeah. Either that or the world is going to be like Wally and we'll all have left the planet to move to another planet because we couldn't get rid of the coronavirus here. And then you'll and then you'll just see my hand coming up out of the trash with the book going, Done. <laughs> Done. And then and, and then titled, Wally comes by and he goes, <laughs> And the book is titled Dan. Dan. <laughs> oh right, Dan. Dan, the one character that your Twitter follower is gonna write about. All right, that all right. That's enough. We've plugged you too much now. All right, good. Thank you, Chris. Uh, Thanks, you have been incredible. Actually, there's no possible way to plug someone too much, especially someone of your geniusness. So, thank you for being on the show. Thanks, Thanks Chris. Appreciate it, brother. Really good.